Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Marty Whittakin. She's a board-certified clinical nutritionist and author of the best-selling book, Natural Alternatives to Nexium and Other Acid Blockers. Her most recent book, The Probiotic Cure, is also available, and she's a nationally syndicated radio host of the show Healthy by Nature. Marty, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So acid reflux, heartburn, digestive issues in general, these are incredibly common problems that I think most of us have faced at one time or another. Can you talk a little bit about what causes that reflux of acid in the first place? Yeah, it's a really big problem. If you go to the the drugstore, the digestive bile is huge. It's like the cereal aisle at the grocery store. There's just that much footage of it. Um, Most of the problems that we have with our digestion start with what we eat. And, um, of course, there's nothing harder than changing somebody's diet. They'd rather change religions than change the way they eat. But um, the foods that we eat today are just not like the foods that our ancestors ate. They were mm. lots of, of refined carbohydrates and chemicals and, and so on, and it disrupts everything. Um, doesn't help that we don't chew very well. I mean, it really starts right in the mouth and right. uh, goes all the way through. And it's usually, um, it can get very complicated, but um, it starts out very simply. We just stop eating the foods of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so true that looking at the, you know, whether it's the actual ingredients themselves, the way those ingredients are grown and harvested, but then just the extreme amount of processing that all of these foods go to with the intention of extending the shelf life, improving convenience, improving taste and flavor, all of these different things. Um, but unfortunately, the cost of that processing. Um, is maybe a higher cost than if we were actually just growing the foods naturally, like you said, the way that our ancestors were consuming them. So how do the acid-blocking drugs um, affect our bodies? Boy, the, the list of side effects is really long, and it starts out with things that you think, oh, well, I can manage that. You know, it might be a constipation or headache or something like that. It's the long-term use of them that's really um, slipping under the radar for people. They just don't understand that we're supposed to have stomach acid. So when you block it, which is what these drugs do, and they do it, some of them very well, they totally block it for 24 hours, then there are all kinds of essential functions that aren't happening. And the downstream effect, if you take them, They're approved for two weeks, maybe four weeks, two or three times a year. They are not supposed to be taken all the time for years. And when you do that, um, just kind of the top of the iceberg, things like dementia, hip fracture, pneumonia, kidney disease, heart disease, cancer. Uh, It's hard to name some kind of a health problem that isn't at least aggravated by taking the acid blockers and in some cases is the cause. The FDA is gradually putting more and more warnings on it, but it's real hard to get them to do that. I mean, you have to have lots of bodies in the street. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how those downstream effects can lead to, I mean, hip fracture, as an example, seems, you know, very unrelated. But at the same time, that is such a common problem that people experience. 
Yeah, and it could become like their last major problem, too, because it's so often, uh, especially for the elderly, it can become fatal because you just end up in the hospital and then all kinds of things that aren't good happen there. But um, what happens is stomach acid is supposed to do some pretty basic things. It's supposed to break down our protein so that we can properly absorb that and build muscles and the structures of our, our bones and so on. Absorb minerals, mm. um, make vitamin B12, which affects the nervous system. And a lot of times dementia with senior citizens is, it's really just caused by inadequate B12. Mm. And so if you're taking something and in sabotaging your stomach's ability to make the vitamin B12, and you're not getting, let's say, uh, I hate to mention calcium with osteoporosis because people already think that's the big reason for osteoporosis, and it's not. So I'm going to say magnesium because it's just as important for bones. Also important for having your heart beat regularly, which is mm. very handy yes. thing to have. And if you... Um, stop absorbing magnesium like you should, that's one of the extreme examples of problems you can have with that. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned pneumonia. The reason that's a big problem is that the stomach acid is supposed to be your first line of defense. Whatever we breathe in or swallow ends up in the stomach. The stomach acid dissolves it. Mm -hmm. Well, if the stomach acid isn't there, then it just can run amok. Wow. So interestingly, we often, you know, when we think about a deficiency of calcium, as you said, often associated with osteoporosis, when we think about those deficiencies, we mainly look at the diet. Maybe there are supplements added or things like that. But what you're saying is there's actually this, you know, maybe even more important um, I guess, stop on the train track, so to speak, which is how does your body absorb these different nutrients? And if people are taking these acid blockers for, as you said, continued periods of time, far longer than what they're tested for, a couple of weeks, um, then even if they're taking supplements, even if they're eating healthy, perhaps the body's not actually able to absorb those nutrients that it needs, and then you still have the problem, even if those things are actually present in the diet? Exactly. And before we go further on that, I just have to say something about calcium because um, there's been so much advertising that people really get the idea that um, we just have to eat lots and lots of calcium and we won't get osteoporosis. Well, the fact is, in the U.S., our diet is very full of calcium. We get pretty much all we need from food to begin with, so we don't necessarily even need supplements. Mm. But we have more calcium intake than any country on the planet. And guess who has the most osteoporosis? I would guess it, also us. It, yeah, also <laughs> us. So uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of other things that are needed for bone, mm -hmm. um, magnesium that I mentioned, manganese, boron, zinc, all kinds of, of things are needed, mm -hmm. uh, as well as vitamin C, which helps to build the collagen structure of the, the bone. Uh, most osteoporosis is caused by an imbalance in hormones, and yet we're, it's a whole other show to talk mm -hmm. about the problems with getting too much calcium, but um, you need the stomach acid to absorb those other minerals, mm -hmm. and um, it it's just uh, you can eat a very good diet, and between the stomach acid not breaking it down and disrupting our good bacteria, which are also a very key part of absorption, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> they, you know, again, a whole nother show, but they run the biggest part of the machinery in our body, and so when mm -hmm. we disrupt their home, uh, there's so many things that can go wrong, and the doctors are not trained to look for that. A person may not even think about that. You, mm. take, you take an acid blocker, and in the beginning, oh, it relieves pain. So you think, oh, this is a good deal. And then 
if you have a problem two months, six months, two years later, you never connect it with that because that's now just part of the landscape. Right, right. And I think that unfortunately the problem with a lot of these different medications that are being taken for prolonged periods of time, oftentimes there's not just one. Maybe the person is taking three, five, I've known people on dozens of different medications, the statins, the acid blockers, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of starts feeling like the list just goes on and on to the point at which it would become difficult to know which of those medications is creating the symptom or is creating the problem. Um, so for the different patients that are taking these drugs, or even if they are just taking one drug, and as you mentioned, maybe the negative symptoms don't show up immediately or something like that, it just kind of creates this, um, you know, big question in terms of how the person can get to the root of the problem. Um, I guess to maybe back it up before they've even started the reflux drugs, um, can you talk a little bit more about maybe specific foods that cause that acid reflux response in the first place um, that gets people going to their doctor complaining of heartburn and then being given these different medications? You are so right about the <clears throat> the polypharmacy mm. and the really enlightened docs now. They're saying, what can we get you off of? And they're, they are deep prescribing. And one of the first things they deep prescribe are the acid-blocking drugs because common sense will tell you you didn't have that problem because you had a deficiency of acid-blocking drugs. <laughs> so um, and what the, the really good doctors do is what I describe in, in the book, Natural Alternatives to Acid Blockers, is to Nexium and acid blockers is find out why you had the problem to begin with. Well, you ask a brilliant question about diet. Well, yeah, it is It is what we're eating. And often it's uh, carbs. Um, I used to have classes where we would get people off of a lot of the, <clears throat> the starches and the sugars and so on, and uh, it was so they were going to lose weight. But then they come back in and say, you know what? My heartburn's gone. My sleep apnea is gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of things mm -hmm. just by straightening out their diet. And, and usually it's not just that they get off of that, uh, the technical word for it's junk. Um, they also are adding vegetables in because you've got to eat something. If you're not going to eat all this bread and stuff, you start looking around and eating vegetables so mm -hmm. you're getting more of the nutrients. But that's probably one of the primary things. But the chemicals that are in food, the uh, everything from the colors and the flavors and the preservatives, the emulsifiers and all of those things, those are hard on your friendly bacteria. Mm -hmm. And getting a disrupted gut microbiome is another really common reason for having heartburn. Mm. Um, one that is surprising, and it's hard to even figure out at first why it would be the case, but just <clears throat> aging, folks sometimes don't have enough stomach acid, and that causes heartburn. Interesting. So how could uh, a lack of acid <laughs> create that reflux because when you get that feeling of heartburn, it doesn't feel like you have a lack of acid. That's right. It feels like you have too much. And that's, uh, if you watch the commercials, it gives you that impression. Right. And so you think, oh, well, I have too much acid. We have to stop it. And the doctor doesn't do anything to dissuade you from that idea. And I've done big book signings, and there will be doctors in the in the line, and they come up and they kind of do this, and they go, I know what we're doing is wrong, but I don't know what else to do <laughs> because they're not taught. And oh, there are the many part. reasons. Well, the one that there's the most counterintuitive is the uh, low stomach acid. Well, what happens if you don't have enough stomach acid to properly break down the food it sits there and accumulates fluid and waits until you have enough, not only mm -hmm. so that it can pass through, but stomach acid triggers that esophagus. At the end of this esophagus, there's a, a little ring that's supposed to keep all the 
juices going south and not coming back up north. Mm. And without the stomach acid, that doesn't get triggered. And the, the fluid just stays there too long. Well, mm. when it splashes up into the esophagus, your stomach being totally protected against uh, acid, it's, it's very, very resistant to acid. Mm -hmm. Esophagus, that, you know, there's not supposed to be that between your mouth and the stomach. Mm -hmm. So those tissues are not protected against acid. And so even a little bit of weak acid burns, and especially if it happens repeatedly, it's over and over again. Right. And then, of course, you hear sleep you know, on an incline and don't bend over and tie your shoes after dinner and things like that. Well, if there's a bunch of stuff in your stomach, you can just squirt out and get into the esophagus. Wow. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. So you actually need that certain threshold of acidity to close that little valve in yes, the first little, place. Little unknown fact. Interesting. And then, you know, thinking about things, uh, I guess, the over-the-counter acid blockers, like Tums. I've probably seen Tums in almost every household I've ever been in. Um, did those have the same long-term effects as the prescribed acid blockers? No. The, the most dangerous ones are the, the PPIs, the protein pump inhibitors. Those are the ones that shut the acid down uh, pretty much on a permanent basis. Okay. The, uh, the Tums, uh, while I don't think that's the best solution, is much better because it's, it's just um, a chalky. It's going to go down there and just absorb the acid right now, okay. the, the acid that's there. So it sort of shuts down that digestion, but you're you're free to eat the next meal and have stomach acid. So, okay. and if you've eaten something that you that doesn't agree with you, um, and somebody takes Tums, I don't get you know all hyperventilated about that because I know they're probably not going to do it the next three meals. Right, and unfortunately, I think even with something like that, people get so used to taking them after every meal. And I see them sold in these big, big jars, you know, that they look like candy or something. But that kind mm -hmm. of is the, the candy that people are taking now. Um, so essentially, you've eaten something. Your body, you know, because pain is a message. You know, the whole purpose of pain is to try and to signal to you. Hello. <laughs> so that reflux of acid into the esophagus is kind of a siren your body's trying to sound, right? Like, hey, I'm not happy with this meal. And then the way that we uh, answer that message is to say, oh, well, here, take this. This is going to make the pain response stop, but it's actually going to prevent you from digesting this giant meal I've just eaten that you were trying to tell me you were unhappy about. Um, so it sounds like maybe it's compounding the problem. Well, that's that's really a, a an even much bigger point that you made is that symptoms are kind of a blessing, but we have been trained to suppress them. If if we did the same thing with our car, they would all blow up. You see a red light on the dashboard, say, oh, well, that's annoying. I'm going to put some duct tape over that so I don't have to look <laughs> at it anymore. Uh, well, that's kind of what we're doing. So mm -hmm. while we are creating problems with the medicine, we have not solved the underlying problem. Why did you have, if you had consistent heartburn before, mm. why was it? Did you have a hiatal hernia? That's a common cause. And I hear, I hear people that have gone to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, you have a hiatal hernia, which is when the stomach contents come up through the diaphragm. And, th and then it, it just kind of throws the mechanics off, and so you've got um, no way for the, the sphincter to close, that mm. esoph esophageal sphincter. 
So the doctor says, oh, I don't want you to have that surgery. It's, it's brutal. It doesn't always work. So you're going to have to take these acid blockers the rest of your life. Well, nobody told them that a good chiropractor, even a deep tissue massage therapist, can move that stomach wow. back where it belongs. And I've, I've never had one where the doctor told them that. And when I told them, they were just astounded. Wow. Uh, and I, in the book, I, I give some instructions about how to go online and find how to, how to solve the problem. Uh, but that's just one. Uh, general inflammation is another one. And we're eating an inflammatory kind of diet. Mm. So um, if, the, if you go to a doctor of functional medicine or integrative medicine who too often, unfortunately, that you have to pay those folks um, concierge or uh, cash because the insurance companies don't provide the amount of counseling time that the doctors need to really dig in and find out why you have the problem. Mm -hmm. In a six-minute average office visit that's interrupted within 27 seconds by uh, a nurse or having to do something on the computer or whatever, there's no no time to track down. I, I have like six distinct causes of heartburn in the book, um, but you know it takes a while to figure those out. Mm -hmm. It could be H. pylori, uh, the bacteria in the stomach. It could be candida yeast, um, all fixable, but you have to know what you're working on. Right. You have to be willing to look and you know, discern which of the, you know, factors or causes is actually underlying. Whereas you said, it's much faster um, and much easier for doctors to just recommend medications or recommend surgery. Um, and I will tell you, uh, hearing that a lot of doctors come up to you and say, I know what we're doing isn't quite right, but I don't know what else to do. I think that right there highlights the, you know, perhaps biggest underlying problem which is that the doctors just aren't trained how to find those six hidden causes or even a general understanding of how the digestive system works enough to realize that reducing the acidity of the stomach would completely disrupt digestion and have this kind of domino effect of other problems. Yeah, common sense is not one of the things they teach in medical school. Uh, they, the curriculum is dictated pretty much by the pharmaceutical industry. And now it's been shown in studies that they very much compromised the medical journals. Mm. And they control the regulators and the legislators. And I was shocked to find that in Washington, because I did some activism for health freedom a while back, that uh, for every elected, whether what, 535 elected senators and rep representatives, there are two and a half or three lobbyists for the pharmaceutical industry. Wow. So it's very hard, and that's why it's so important uh, what you're doing and helping to spread the word so people can, who who do want a better way, who aren't satisfied to just say, oh, well, I'll let my, my dad take that pill because, uh, you know, it seems to make him happy. Hmm. If they know what's down the road, right. they're not going to condemn dad to dementia or pneumonia or something like that. They're going to get out there and and help them understand, get them the book. I mean, I need the 50 cents I make when we sell one of those. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's like a six ninety five paperback. It's all about getting the word out. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm told it's easy to read and it's, it's very basic and it starts with what your digestion is supposed to be doing. You get an idea what's in store for you if you disrupt it and then what are the workarounds? Mm -hmm. I definitely want to get into the natural alternatives, what people can do. Um, but I just want to, you know, mention first that, um, you know, as a holistic health coach, you know, we have a lot of um, 
you know, emphasis placed on digestion as really the uh, foundation of our health and all of these other pieces. You know, one of the biggest ones is the immune system. And I've heard, I've heard different statistics, like 80% of your immune system function happens in your gut. Um, A huge percentage of your hormones um, produced in the gut. I believe even neurotransmitters that are produced in the gut. So you were very far along <laughs> the path. So, so you start seeing how you know what started as oh, ow, ah, can end up with such a huge slew of other problems that I think anyone would be happy to say, oh, wait, I'm I'm tossing out my entire immune system function in exchange of, you know, uh, reducing this, this heartburn pain a little bit, clearly that's not a, an even trade-off. Can you speak a little bit Well, and it's even a that? false trade because you don't have to put up with the heartburn in order to avoid these other problems. But I call it the slippery slope to crisis medicine. Mm. because And it starts with these little bitty steps like, that seems innocuous enough, but if you don't understand what it's doing to your body, then you end up with, um, I, I keep losing track of the statistics, but over 65, you know, you get to be where you have, you know, this many bottles of, right. of drugs. Everyone has a side effect. Um, I had a, a long, long time ago, I had this lady before I knew very much about nutrition. And I was working at a store and she came in and said, she showed me the inside of her mouth and she had, I've had a little canker sore and I thought I wanted to kill myself over it. The entire inside of her mouth was canker sores. And it gave me a stomach ache just to look at her and I, I, I couldn't imagine what caused it, but I said, let me just do what I know how to do. Let's, let's start. What what medicines are you taking? When did you start taking that one? And I, I worked backwards, and it all started when her mom died, and she was sad, mm-hmm. understandably. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, well, we'll give you an antidepressant. And then the antidepressant caused a problem, and then that drug caused another problem. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon she's on seven medications, and the net result is she can't even eat anymore because her... Her mouth is such a mess. So we started with um, cabbage juice, uh, aloe vera. Those are things that are good for those kinds of ulcers. But I said, you've got you've to go to a different kind of doctor and start getting that peeled off because there wasn't anything there that she should have had. Mm-hmm. She bought every one of those, right. those diseases. Wow. So can we, I guess, delve into the natural solutions for heartburn. Maybe a good place to start is with people before they're on one of these protein pump inhibitors. Maybe they're still just, you know, popping Tums frequently or something like that. Are there any, you know, easy remedies that you would recommend that can help to reduce that heartburn response? Uh, yeah. Um, and eat probably even before the the tums, but if you just one of the cheapest things you can do to solve any health mystery is for about a dollar you can buy a nice little spiral notepad, mm-hmm. and and if you start having any symptoms, just write down when you have it and what you were doing at the time, and you can sort out food sensitivities, which is another cause of of heartburn, uh, you can you can find out what. Um, gee, every time I I have um, garlic bread and pasta, I get heartburn. Mm. Uh, sometimes I think people will say, "Oh, well, onions." I, I always have, well, they have onions all the time, but I think it isn't causing the heartburn. It's just a marker; they can taste it, and mm. so that makes them imprint on their memory but if you just start keeping track of it mm-hmm. you can sort out a lot of those things um, cutting down on the carbs that that really seems to be a, an instant thing you can do because 
I don't know anybody that gets heartburn from eating uh, broccoli, you know, for example, or a salad, unless it's one of those salads you see at the salad bar that end up being all white because of the stuff they put on top of it. But usually vegetables is not what causes it. Mm -hmm. It usually isn't even chicken or meat. It's um, something with uh, a lot of carbohydrate or sugar. Try not having dessert. Mm. Um, try apple cider vinegar, teaspoon in a little glass of water mm -hmm. a couple times a day, maybe before dinner. Um, a little roll of papaya enzymes you can carry with you. I, okay. I have lots of different remedies in there. Sometimes people do okay with eating, eating three or four almonds. Um, they're just even a sip of water. Mm -hmm. My my favorite go-to is a probiotic that is a fermented. It's concentrated fermented foods. Mm. It's a soft gel and doesn't need refrigeration. So you can just chew up one of those um, or two, and it shuts it down like immediately. Wow. Even even if you've gotten a hold of some bad food. So, and I don't know if you can mention um, brand names, but if you go to the health food store and you ask for one that is a concentrate of fermented foods that um, has in it the food for the bacteria, the bacteria itself, and what they've been busy making, it takes three years to ferment this product, so you won't get it confused with any of the white powder. You can, uh, can you share the brand name that yes. you recommend? Yeah, uh, there's, or, it's in a class by itself, so okay. it's not competing with anything else. It's Dr. O'Hara's probiotic, okay. and um, it comes from Japan, and they, they ferment it with superfoods and vegetables and seaweeds and wild-crafted herbs and so on for three years with four of these um, well-researched bacteria, and they turn that into enzymes and, you mentioned neurotransmitters and amino acids and organic acids and all these, like hundreds of things that are in there that the bacteria have made. And that's why it goes to work. I mean, you could, you could, if you could chew up one of the hard capsule white powder ones, I don't think it would do anything because mm. the bacteria have to get busy, find food, make, that are, but uh, I, that's, I always carry that with me when I travel um, or just going out to dinner because right. you never know when you, when you uh, especially if we're, my husband and I are going on a cruise, we take a lot of that as well as some ginger, which is very good for nausea. Mm. But yeah. uh, we have never been bothered by whatever was going around on the ship. Interesting. And I think that kind of speaks to, you know, you strengthen your digestion and all of a sudden you have all of these other areas of the bodies that start performing at a higher function as well. Your immune system protecting you from little bugs or this that may come around. Um, and then just kind of going back to that most basic piece that digestion is how your body receives all of the good things you're eating. The whole point of eating is so that your body can absorb the nutrients. So if you can help to facilitate that absorption of the things that your body needs and then getting rid of the things that the body doesn't need, then immediately you've just kind of, um, you know, upped the ante, so to speak, on, on your health. Oh, that was, that was the original plan. And you were so right about the immune system, 80 70, 80 percent, depends on who you talk to, of the immune mm -hmm. function is in the intestinal tract. And it could be 80 percent there, and the others that they tested had already killed off some of them with the antibiotics or something. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you, you have to uh, remember to chew. Um, you have to drink clean water. I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about all the things that kill off our our bacteria, if they in turn are going to help our digestion break down the food and protect us, then we've got to start thinking about everything we do being something that we are feeding them. And if mm. we're feeding them chlorinated water, mm. we put chlorine in water. Why? To kill bacteria. And they don't, chlorine doesn't take names and say, oh, you're a good guy. We won't mess with you. We'll just kill you. And so... Um, 
it's a it's a new world, and uh, sometime we can really get into some depth on probiotics. But that's that's one of the important things. And um, you're asking about preventing heartburn. Uh, just eating calmly helps too. Mm. I, I, I know we've all had a meal where we were so under stress. You walk away and you think, I don't think I'm going to digest a bite of that because. Your, all of your body's energy was going to your muscles and to your nerves and to mm. your clenched fists or whatever. Right, and if your brain is going, oh, yeah. going, 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 then it takes so much of the... Yeah, so then everything is just going to sit there. Interesting. We had someone that um, was talking about, you know, sim- simple ways to, you know, help improve your digestion. Um, yeah, eating more slowly chewing really, really thoroughly, you know, I think that... Until it's liquid. Yeah, I think that so much, especially of those highly processed foods, they don't necessarily require a great deal of chewing. (laughs) Like, because they're so highly processed, once you put it in your mouth, you know, um, Cheetos are a great example. There's even um, a book, I believe it's called Why Americans Love Junk Food, and they talk about how they use this technique called vanishing caloric density to trick you into eating mm. more foods. And like Cheetos is a perfect example. So you eat it, it dissolves very quickly, you don't have to chew it very much, so it doesn't send those same messages to your brain about how much you've really eaten. So this vanishing caloric densities, mm-hmm. part of how they keep you overeating those foods, but then it also, because you're not chewing them as much, because you're not secreting as many of the you know digestive enzymes and all those kind of uh, salivary enzymes that start preparing the foods to be digested, well, now you're eating more than you need of this certain food and your body's not able to digest it. So just slowing down, chewing thoroughly. And then he talked about, um, you know, helping the body be in a more um, relaxed state, the parasympathetic nervous system um, state while you're eating. Because if you're in that fight or flight uh, mode of the nervous system and you're eating, your body's not concerned with digestion. No, it's, so. it prioritizes and triages where the energy should go. There are actually studies that saying grace improves your digestion. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that could be uh, answered prayer or it could just um, be taking the time and the gratitude to say grace calms your system down and mm. prepares it to, to eat. Um, this, some of these things are are like so sim- simple, they seem simplistic, and certainly there has to be a high-tech answer. Mm. But all you have to do is travel around the world where they do things differently and find out that there are people who are perfectly healthy and have really nice long lives that don't need to take any medicine at all. Mm. And, yeah, they but they aren't having uh, dinner delivered mm-hmm. <laughs> by, you know, the pizza man. Um, and I, I'm not against pizza. It's just if 90% of what you do is that kind of stuff and the 10% is the lettuce on your hamburger, um, you've got a problem. And right. it isn't the fat. Uh, I don't think it's the meat. It's the fact that all of those are no longer like they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just not eating the vegetables. We're not eating the whole the whole grains when we eat grains. And um, most people can solve their heartburn just by going back to a more natural diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they've had it for a long time, it's hard to get off. I have on my website, I have some steps on how to get off of an acid blocker because you've, you've messed your body up when you've done that for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and it doesn't kind of know what side's up anymore. So right. you have to gradually wean off of it. But don't necessarily wean off of it without doing what you can to figure out why you had it to begin with mm. and fixing the real problem. Right. We're great at just um, s- taking the symptoms, as you said, you know, putting putting a cover over the light on the dashboard and going on about our business. Mm. If we try to get to the root cause, and then we, we won't need 
even some, uh, I, I wish people didn't need a lot of natural remedies. Because mm. a lot of a lot of the supplements that are remedies are more benign than the drugs, but they still aren't necessarily addressing what was wrong to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, not getting enough sleep, you don't move, you don't eat the right foods, you don't drink enough water. Right. Uh, we need to take care of those things. Right. I, I have a, if I could, probably a good point to put this in, I have a kind of a motto on the radio show that we're supposed to be healthy. That's why the name is Healthy by Nature. And it's just we have two prime directives. Give the body everything it needs for optimum function. Don't gum up the works of stuff it can't handle. And you can you can take virtually any condition and break it down that way. It might take a little while to figure out what the components are, but that's it. We're not, we're not um, condemned to be sick, sick because, you know, not like our looks. It's uh, something we've done. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think about, you know, this mantra, let food be thy medicine, and something that I think about all the time. And when I'm in the grocery store, and, you know, I will spend the extra money to buy organic, looking for gluten-free, looking for things with the non-GMO certification. And yep. when you get to the register, it does ring up as more expensive. But I remember that, you know, let food be thy medicine. This is my, mm -hmm. this is my investment in my health. And I'm not taking any other medications. And I've actually never had heartburn in my life. Maybe hopefully I'm not jinxing myself by saying that. But, you know, I do feel that if we make that investment in those higher quality foods, in those eating choices that, as you said, serve our body the things it needs without gumming it up with all the excess, um, you really can function in a healthy way. And as you said, without needing the supplements or medications, even if they are natural, which obviously is better, um, but taking that kind of functional medicine, you know, perspective that you help the body function, you give it what it needs, and you're not going to have to spend all of this other time, money, and despair in many cases on having these different issues and health problems that result. It goes clear back to the ancient Greeks and Hippocrates who's, who said that health and disease begin in the digestive tract, and we've, we've just lost sight of that. Right. And um, I don't th how many people go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, hello, Ms. Jones, uh, how's your digestion? Um, are you regular? Are, the old-timey doctors used to do that because mm -hmm. they knew it was important. But now right. it's, if you've got a complaint, you'll tell me and I've got a drug. And right. so it's why people have to take charge of their health by getting the information so they know how to do that. Mm -hmm. it's, what, it's why I go through the pain of writing books and it's why I get up 5.30 on Saturday mornings to go do the radio show because there just aren't that many voices out there mm -hmm. that are telling you anything besides take this drug. Right. And you've been doing Healthy by Nature radio show for 20, 21 years? 21 years. That is incredible. Well, you'd think everyone would be healthy by now. <laughs> <laughs> if we could just get everybody in the country to listen to the show you know, yeah. and, and to make the changes because mm -hmm. people... You know, somebody comes into the office and you're sitting there in your little gown and this gal has on a white jacket and a stethoscope. She looks very official. And if she tells you to do something, a lot of people feel guilty and threatened not doing what the mm. doctor said. Yeah. Um, you have a lawyer, they give you advice. You have a doctor, they give you orders. What? No, I don't think so. Right. They are purveyors of... Services, I think. I think that's changing, mm -hmm. but the old school uh, still thinks they have to do whatever the doctor says. Right. And um, I spend a lot of time helping people know that they have different choices and where to look to verify that those really are good choices. Right. And you know, kind of taking it back to the analogy of the car that you gave earlier. You know, if your little engine check light comes on or something like that, you don't take a sticker and put it over the engine check light and assume that that's fixed the problem. Yeah. And you remember to change the oil and you put in good gas, you wouldn't say, oh, well, 
Yeah, I might I might have a Mercedes. It's probably good enough. I'll just I'll just put in some kerosene and see how well that works. <laughs> you put in what it needs. You you do right. the retire required maintenance, and um, yeah, you pay attention if the light goes on. Right. And on my you... way here today, my yellow light came on, which meant <laughs> I needed gas. And, and uh, oh yeah, I thought about that the other day. It would have been good if I'd have done it then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Prevention's so much easier than uh, being out on the road hitching right. for a ride. Oh yeah, and anyone who's ever run out of gas has unfortunately happened to me more times than I'd like to admit. Is a perfect. Uh, example of how, you know, if you are taking care of the maintenance and paying attention to those little warning signals that our car gives us, our body gives us through pain, discomfort, all these different kind of messages that it seeks to send, we take care of those things and then we don't end up stranded on the side of the road, walking four (laughs) miles to a gas station or whatever it might be. You know, another thing we do with our cars is we get second opinions, especially if you have a major repair or something like that. I think it's very rarely that someone would just go to one garage. Maybe you've been going to that garage for years, you trust them, whatever. But a lot of times people get several perspectives. But unfortunately with our doctors, a lot of times it's like the end all be all. And people yeah. aren't necessarily open to this idea that, well, let me hear another doctor's opinion. Let me find someone else and see if maybe there are other alternatives than, you know, what this person is and giving it's me. It's important to realize that if you go to just basically down the hall to another doctor that went to the same type of medical school, got the same education, you aren't getting a second opinion unless mm. the first doctor was you know, a drug addict or something, you're just getting the same opinion twice. Mm. You want to go to an integrative medicine doctor, a functional medicine doctor, a chiropractor and a massage therapist and an acupuncturist. Then you're getting a true second opinion. Otherwise, we just, we have very uniform medical schools. And so um, you, you get the same opinion over and over again. So it sounds like, oh, well, that must be it. I should, I should, just take this acid blocker forever because I have a hiatal hernia. No, you have to get out of your circle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Very true. And the um, the car analogy is is good, but um, we we just have this wonderful machine that we've been given, and mm-hmm. we should respect it more. It's it's capable of amazing things if we just take care of it. Right. It's so true. I also think that there's, um, you know, there's there's the lack of training that the uh, traditional medical school provides in the area of nutrition. Um, we had one uh, functional medicine practitioner on the program, and he said that there was one hour of training in nutrition in the medical school program, yeah. and not a not a credit hour. It was like from noon to one, and a lot of them skipped it. <laughs> so, and and that's so little; it's enough to be dangerous, right? And um, I think I think most doctors want to do better, but the system doesn't support them. Right? They they um, aren't reimbursed for the time it takes. They aren't reimbursed for the kinds of tests that would really be useful. Mm-hmm. That's why it's. Um, I I have a a blog, and one of the blogs I did was we were talking about the the red light. Well, sometimes it, it, the hints are are so subtle. Well, it's making a little bit of a noise, isn't it, or is it? Well, mm-hmm. I, I have a whole bunch of little signs and symptoms. Well, what does it mean if you have too much earwax or you get white spots on your fingernails or... Uh, little things mm-hmm. that we think of as just aggravations of living, they're not really even symptoms. Those are signs that, you you know, something's not quite right. And right. so if you're just at the very top of that slippery slope to crisis medicine where you, you need oxygen and lots of medications and so on, yeah, you can turn around and go back up the hill. So wow. it's good to pay attention even to the little things. If it, if 10 years ago you didn't have that, well, why do you have it now? Let's find out. Right. And I think that speaks to 
um, again, you know, the, the reason to be working with, you know, uh, different natural health practitioners who are going to be aware of those things and be able to notice when you come in and, you know, just to throw out kind of a, a very interesting example that I immediately was able to notice in myself, you know, that right shoulder tension is often, you know, related to, I think it's the gallbladder, um, struggling or something and you think oh well, yeah you know what I had a lot of fried foods or it's your or mouse whatever <laughs> oh yeah. yeah or it's too yeah. much with the yeah. mouse <laughs> yeah or the way you hold your guitar or something but there mm-hmm. is a reason mm-hmm. and so uh, like you always wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you think well I'm awake I'll go to the bathroom you didn't wake up to go to the bathroom you woke up because your liver was struggling or something right. there are there are these clues mean something mm-hmm. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. Very interesting. So can you speak a little bit about, um, I guess, the process of of helping someone heal the gut to, um, I guess, repair the damage done from taking the acid blockers? We kind of talked about recommendations for heartburn mm-hmm. if you're still, you know, in the early stages. Um, but what about for those who have been taking acid blockers for a prolonged period of time and maybe they are wanting to um, hopefully hopefully repair the digestion and get off of them altogether, but at least to um, help support the body, help the body to function again? Uh- well, the probiotics are really important. You've got to restore the balance to the microbiome, that collection of organisms in the gut. Uh, aloe vera is something that's really good for healing. The, mm. you, you know what it does on sunburn. Well, right. inflammation and problems internally, it does that as well. And also, if you get a a good one, and since you let me mention another name, um, I wrote a booklet on aloe vera, and I did a lot of research, and I found that there was one that significantly better than the rest of them, and that's by Lily of the Desert. It's not it's, it's not even at the top of the price range. It's right in the middle. It's, it just has a lot more potency to it, and it, it helps um, with detoxification. It helps with antioxidant uh and all, but the main thing is really heals it. Uh, another thing that's very healing is zinc carnosine. It's a special kind of zinc that pretty much stays in the gut. So you can do zinc carnosine um, and, 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 and just stop annoying the gut because you don't want to keep trying to bail out the boat while you've got a hole in the side. Do you mm-hmm. want to try to do that? But um, the probiotics too will just do a whole lot to repair things because that's kind of what they do. Interesting. And then is there, um, so aloe vera, would it be the same as the aloe vera you put on your skin or you have a specific aloe vera designed for internal consumption? Uh, It's a liquid. Um, that same company makes a, a jelly that's just wonderful. It's 99% aloe. You know, if you go, if you go on vacation and you go to the, you get a sunburn and you go into the sun shop and they, they give you an aloe gel. And it's most of green. those, that most of them, they've just waved an aloe leaf over a 50 gallon drum. And this is 99%. It's really, really potent. It's mm-hmm. just wonderful but what you drink it's either juice or gel and uh they're really the same the gel is thicker but that's not the aloe they put uh, some kind of a gelling agent into it but um if you're trying to to heal the esophagus like you have Barrett's esophagitis Mm. or something uh the gel 
might cling a little longer on its way down. So, okay. but either one will work. I like the one that is in glass and preservative free. And we're, they grow their own organic leaves, so all of it has organic aloe. But the, wow. I like the uh, preservative free. Nice. Yeah, I've used the topical lily of the desert aloe vera, and I love it. Um, and you're so right. The typical aloe products that you see that are bright green. I don't yep. know who decided that. I guess because the outside of the plant is green. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, it's just marketing. Um, but it'll, you know, if you when you look at the ingredients, it's usually not mostly aloe vera. And then you'll see those artificial colors and other things added to mm-hmm. it. And I just thought, oh, this is you know, so terrible. <laughs> um, yes. So definitely, yeah, for internal consumption, then you want to be even more sure. I don't know what it costs, but a tube of that is like, I don't know, five or six dollars or something. It's ridiculous. It's to not have that on hand in case you ever get burned at home. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great first aid and you use it for almost anything that's going wrong on your skin. It's useful. Right. And then, you know, the protein pump inhibitors, you had talked earlier about how, you know, the difference between Tums and the prescription PPI drugs, um, they actually cause your body to produce less acid. Is that in a long-term effect even after you stop taking it? Is there a you know certain period of time for your body to get back into that natural habit of, pr- of producing that acid? Uh, there's an adjustment period. In fact, it, it kind of overshoots. Um, people get rebound acid. Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes people will get rebound um, sinus problems when they use a sinus drying agent and so on. The body doesn't quite find its range again, so that's why it's good to kind of ease off of it. And what sometimes the uh, doctors do that know about these things is that they will switch a person to an H2 blocker, which isn't as long lasting, and then gradually get off of that onto something like Tums and then off. I think you can speed that up a lot mm-hmm. if you change the diet, uh, take the, use aloe vera, use um, acid block, um, <clears throat> apple cider vinegar, um, you know, use some natural remedies while you're doing it, then you can speed up getting off of it. But it's, it, the worst thing to get off quickly are the psych drugs, but these aren't these aren't good to just stop. And not because right. it hurts you, it's just because it hurts you. Yeah. Yeah, and those, un, bad. Yeah, those unpleasant, you know, side effects and things like that. I mean, that's what yeah. gets people in there in the first place taking these drugs these drugs is that unpleasant sensation yeah, um, people aren't big on pain they don't like well i guess there are those but <laughs> most normal people make <laughs> like to make pain go away right um i'm curious to know you know you'd mentioned earlier that even something as simply uh, or something as simple as just eating more vegetables in the diet to help, uh, you know, aid the digestion, you know, aid your body in breaking those things up and digesting the carbs or whatever, you know, may have been that you've eaten. Um, Do you have a take on, you know, fiber supplements? Is it uh, going to be better to get your fiber from natural food sources? Or, you know, do you recommend people taking those, you know, kind of fiber powders or things like that to help encourage mm. the digestion? Well, good question. Uh, with those, all you get is the, the fiber. And um, with probiotic bacteria, if you just give them a fiber, you will increase the body count, but you don't increase, increase the diversity. Mm. When you eat vegetables, you encourage a diverse community of of bacteria and of course it has vitamins and minerals and and things in it so it's you get a lot more out of it if you're eating the vegetables right and the some of the fibers i mean sometimes it's just really helpful to get things moving uh, while you're figuring out what's going on but i don't think we should have to do that as a regular you know regular course of trying to stay healthy. 
Right. And certainly, you know, as you um, as you alluded to, when you are eating the whole grains or the fruits and vegetables, the natural food, the fiber is just one little benefit that you're receiving from those things. And having all of those other nutrients that come in are really, mm-hmm. you know, what's actually going to help restore that function of the gut in, in yeah. its entirety. It, sawdust would provide bulk, but... Right. Yeah, not necessarily <laughs> provide the n- nutrition. Um, and I'm curious, uh, and this may be more um, more fitting for uh, the next interview that we'll do on your latest book, The Probiotic Cure. Um, but I'm interested to know your perspective on colonoscopies, um, just because this is kind of uh, you know one of those things that is um, highly recommended. But to me, seems to be um, quite invasive. Um, do you think that that's the best way for someone to, um, I guess, get an idea of their digestive health? Do, is that something that you recommend people do on a regular basis? Well, people who go to the doctor <clears throat> with persistent heartburn often will get scoped from this end, look around down there and see if there's an ulcer, um, which they're might be from H. pylori, could cause an ulcer. And they look to see if there's um, the esophagus is eroded, and they call that Barrett's esophagitis. When you go the other direction, you don't see any of that. You only see whether there are polyps in the colon or there's colon cancer. Um, It is invasive. If you go to somebody who's really good, it's uh, relatively painless other than the prep where you have to drink nasty stuff and clean you out Mm -hmm. uh it's a pretty painless um procedure and they do catch things earlier um there are a lot of things that i kind of encourage people not to do like flu shots but with colonoscopy the record on the non-invasive more um it's more like a an x-ray kind of thing uh, doesn't have as good a record. Uh, I don't tell people not to do that, but if you've done it and you're doing everything right, maybe you don't need to do it again. Mm-hmm. I did one once, but I'm old enough now I don't have to do it again. Right. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I just think in general, you know, the digestive system is it, it is so complex and there are so many different areas for, um, for potential dysfunction, you know, like you said, whether it's like right kind of at the beginning, so to speak, right at that esophageal, um, sphincter preventing, uh, the stomach acid from being contained. Um, and then you probably know it's like several miles long, our digestive tract, right? If you laid it out flat, right. it's like 26 feet or something, but uh, there are all these little, well, they're like little fingers, and then the fingers are wearing like fuzzy gloves. And so if you, um, leaky gut is a, a really big problem where these cells stop being close together and some of them get worn down, these little fingers and mm. the little fuzz on them so we no longer can absorb what we need to. Um, but you don't see that with a colonoscopy. All you all you really see is, do you have colon cancer? Do you have polyps that might turn into colon cancer? And they can remove those while they're there. Right. Um, but if you see something at that point, look, change change something. Right. Start eating a healthier diet. Right. Very interesting. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts on the topic of acid blockers that you want to share? Well, just that remember, the problem is not stomach acid. It's stomach acid, even weak stomach acid, getting somewhere it doesn't belong. So if you're eating an inflammatory diet and that sphincter is inflamed or you've got uh, hiatal hernia, Find out what the real cause of it is. Solve the real problem. Don't risk the long-term effects of taking those drugs that shut off your digestion. Fix it. Don't shut it off. Great. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to having you back on the program to discuss the probiotic cure. Um, Well, it was a great pleasure. You're very knowledgeable and uh, made it fun. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Marty Whittakin, you can visit healthybynatureshow.com. You can also find her books, Natural Alternatives to Nexium and Other Acid Blockers, The Probiotic Cure, and many others. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. And I hope you'll head over to wellnessplus.tv if you want to check out the full video version of this interview, along with hundreds of other health and wellness videos. You can also start a free two-week trial to check it out. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.